I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the Tupac murder case. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're taking an overview at what's happened, but has anything really changed? We're going to find out from our guests right now. Joining me is Dante Mills. He's a criminal defense attorney. Dante, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Good, Always good to be here, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also with us is Chuck Creekmore. He is the CEO and co-founder of AllHipHop.com. Chuck, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Lisa. We appreciate it. Also with us is DJ Vlad. He is the CEO of Vlad TV. Vlad, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Um, Chuck, let me start with you on this. Why are we so fascinated by this? This is something that happened more than a quarter of a century ago to an artist that was died before a lot of hip-hop fans were even born now. Why are we still so fascinated by this? I mean, I think we're fascinated because of the nature of the artist. I mean, Tupac was a prolific artist. I think he was extremely outspoken. I, I believe he has an, an amazing backstory. His legacy, his mother's legacy, um, his his bloodline even, all come into play here. Um, and then we obviously go into the the um, the storyline, so to speak, of the rap beef, you know, the stuff with Biggie, Pac, I mean, excuse me, Biggie, Bad Boy, and all the other tentacles that are involved. And then when you go into an unsolved murder, it becomes even more, you know, dynamic, if you will, as a story. And I'm, I'm using the word story over and over because uh, this has become almost like entertainment to a lot of people. So there have been countless movies, TV shows, scripted, unscripted, books, et cetera, et cetera. And it has been consumed by the general public. And I think there's an incredible fascination associated with Tupac Shakur that, you know, does extend beyond his murder. And Vlad, your show has actually played a role in actual, the events that we're now seeing unfold in that Las Vegas courtroom and criminal justice system there. Why do you think your viewers, I mean, you have millions of views for these videos and the fascination you know is, is very, very deep in the hip hop community. Why is that? Well, I think this was one of the great unsolved mysteries uh, in America. Uh, I think this trial is going to be up there like the OJ trial once it gets underway. Uh, Tupac is arguably the greatest rapper of all time. He died extremely young under very insane circumstances. And for the longest time, there's been so many conspiracies around it, you know, from Suge had him killed to uh, the government had him killed to he's still alive in Cuba somewhere and so forth. And, uh, you know, in Los Angeles, this was like the worst kept secret. Everyone knew what happened. Everyone knew about Orlando's uh, involvement in this. So when I had a chance to interview the only person who's still living in that car that was involved in the shooting, um, you know, I, I jumped right on it because there was already a book that he had already began to publish uh, about the story. So, um, you know, if you're going to write a book about it, I'm going to interview you about it. And four years ago, the interview came out and became huge. And now four years later, Las Vegas PD is actually following up and going forward with charges. No, exactly. Dante, from... From your lawyer's perspective, here's somebody who actually brags about being involved in this murder, uh, has the book, goes on Vlad TV, was on other social media platforms as well, actually talking about it. Did that surprise you when you learned about all that? No, because that's the world we live in right now. Uh, everybody wants to be uh, YouTube famous, uh, IG famous, TikTok famous, and they believe that 
if they talk about something and generate enough interest and enough likes that it can lead to that. So people all of the time now, uh, they're recording crimes that they're committing. They're going on uh, these social media platforms and talking about crimes that they committed. But here's the thing. If I'm defending uh, Dwayne Davis, what I'm saying is it was all hyperbole, right? He made all of this up for entertainment to sell books and that his book is nonfiction. And I don't know if uh, there's an argument there uh, that says that it's not. Unless the uh, district attorney can show evidence, uh, they can't simply say he wrote a book and told this story and that means he did it because I'm going into court and saying he was simply trying to make money. He was trying to sell books. Uh, so he exaggerated. Uh, everybody wants to be a part of something big. Um, so he made up those things uh, so he could seem like he was big in that community, like he was big in the gangs. Uh, and he just exaggerated the story. So I don't think him going and talking is his fatal flaw, but also he didn't have to do that. And if he didn't, I think I don't think he would be charged right now. All right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of the case and also the developments and also take a look at what's coming next. Stay with us for Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. This is General Steele from Smith & Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl, Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Welcome back to our conversation about the Tupac murder case. We're taking an overview look at everything that's gone on and is going on with our panel, Dante Mills. He's a criminal defense attorney. Chuck Creekwork. He's the founder, co-founder and CEO of allhiphop.com and DJ Vlad, CEO of Vlad TV. Chuck, when you first heard that there was an arrest, what was your reaction? I wasn't surprised. I mean, I think I was a little surprised, but um, he's talked so, so much um, about this and it just seemed almost inevitable. I mean, not to say it would happen on that day. Uh, part of me was relieved. Um, because I think that hip hop has this big gaping open wound and there needs to be some healing um, that takes place as a community. Uh, on the flip side, I do know, you know, Tupac's close family and, and friends and, you know, my heart goes out to them as well because this is, you know, maybe for them, this is tearing that wound open. So, you know, I had mixed feelings about it. Ultimately, I don't think anyone who's murdered um, or someone who commits a murder should get off. And if you're involved in a murder, you need to face the consequences. And uh, Keefe D's lived quite some time making these claims. Um, you know, even before the book, he was one of the suspects. So I think justice is uh, coming home. Led, when you were talking with him, because you, you spoke with him in person, right? When you were doing those the interviews, what struck you about what he was telling you? I, I think ultimately everyone wants to tell their own story, uh, regardless of the ramifications of that story. I think that previous to this whole situation, Greg Katie had leaked out uh, the confession tapes. where the LAPD, the former LAPD detective. The former, former LAPD uh, detective, Greg Kading who had basically sat down with Keefe D and offered him a proffer agreement and allowed him to talk about the whole Tupac murder case and with it not being used against him on that day. Uh, those tapes were leaked out and then ultimately with 
uh, you know, the culture of, of hip hop and, um, you know, Compton and, and the gang, uh, you know, the, the crip culture and so forth. A lot of people were label, labeling him a snitch. So I think ultimately he wanted to come forward and tell his side of the story and say, well, I may have cooperated, but I didn't put anyone in prison. Everyone was already dead at, the, at that time. And let me clear my name and so forth. So that's kind of the, the overall feel I got when sitting down with him. But in terms of, did you believe it? Did you believe what he was telling you or did he, did you get a sense that he was kind of trying to, you know, exaggerate the story or beef it up a little bit to make it more interesting? I mean, it's hard to say. Uh, the story overall matches up with all the other people that I interviewed. So if you look at my original interview with Keefe D, I also interviewed uh, Edie Amin, who was in the car right behind him. I also interviewed uh, Greg Carroll, who was the first responder. And and the pieces fit together. You know, there was a couple things that he said uh, about, you know, oh, I would met Tupac and Suge the day before, but they actually arrived the day of. So there was a few things that were a little bit off, but we're also talking about a 27-year-old, a 27-something-year-old incident. And you don't exactly remember on what date. Exactly. But overall, the, the story the story matched up uh, in the book and his interview. Uh, and it's going to be up to Las Vegas PD to see if they can make a stick or not. Dante, what about the, he he said he was, uh, or it was attributed to him that he, he said that he thought he could talk about whatever because he had this proffer agreement. Uh, what What is a proffer agreement? Yeah, so when you uh, are under investigation, you have the opportunity to go in and have a conversation. Some people call it a queen for a day or a proffer agreement. But what it's about is you go in and you can tell the information that you have and that information cannot be used against you. Now, it's important to note that they can, if they find that information through other means, they can use that against you, but they can't use your proffer. And that's what's interesting in this case. They can't simply say, you gave a proffer and said this, so we're going to hold you responsible because of what you said in this proffer. That's illegal. But what they can do is say, well, we have some other information that we found out through somebody else, and we verified that information through somebody else, so we're going to use that against you, even though it's the same information. We got it from someone else, so we can use it against you. The issue, though, in this case is it's clear, and I think it's unequivocal, that Everyone believes he did not do the shooting. That's not shooting. But he, he did not do the actual shooting of Tupac. He did not fire the gun himself. That means they had to charge him and they have with conspiracy. But in order to be uh, found guilty or responsible through that conspiracy charge, they have to prove that he, in fact, uh, moved the murder forward, that he did something to assist with the murder. And if everybody else in that car is deceased, how do you prove that? If it's an understanding he didn't shoot and they never, they, they didn't plead and say that he did. They agreed he did not do the actual shooting. Right. How do you prove that he, in fact, uh, told the person to shoot or contributed to that murder? It wasn't just a passenger in the car. So, guys, please feel free to jump in on that. So, so we, it, it, there's no dispute about the fact he was not, as the cops would call it, the trigger puller. But he said, Vlad, did he say anything to you about he was in the back seat. He got the gun. Did, what did he tell you about that? Um, he kept it relatively fuzzy uh, in that regard. Um, you know, because there is, I mean, his his confession was that Orlando was the shooter, but there is other. Orlando Anderson was the shooter. Orlando Anderson, his, his nephew, was the shooter, but there's other information out there. I mean, for example, one of the witnesses said that the arm that was sticking out of the window was a big, beefy arm, uh, as opposed to Orlando, who was very thin and skinny. And there was another person, you know, based on the grand jury uh, transcripts, 
uh, a guy named Dirt Rock said there was actually a different, uh, one of the other guys was the actual shooter, the big heavyset guy, but he let Orlando run with the story because he didn't want to be connected with the murder of Tupac, and it made more sense for Orlando to be the shooter. Um, so so there's that. Um, I haven't heard anything about Keefe D being the actual shooter himself, but he was in the car. So it's it's one of those things where we'll probably never know exactly what happened, but someone in that car did the shooting. Chuck, how much is Ryan on Lisa? Go ahead. Go on. I made you jump in. That's the problem because when you're charged in a criminal case, you have to be proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And if we're sitting here saying we may not never know for certain, uh, we may never know for certain exactly what happened. How does a jury convert that to beyond a reasonable doubt to find him guilty of these charges? Right. Chuck, how much is riding on this case? Do you think in terms of, you know, people's emotions, people's feelings, the hip hop culture? Because this was from an era, as you know, this was from from an era where there were a lot of unsolved murders, period, particularly of young black men. And that there were, you know, there were cases that went unsolved and uninvestigated other cases for a long, long time, as opposed to now where some people might say, their actual targets of law enforcement once they become successful. Yeah, I mean, I think everything is riding on this case. I mean, we've gone this long without any breakthrough. So, and 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 the information is, you know, it's relatively the same. It's there's there's not a lot of new information. So, I would imagine, you know, they have not imagined. We know they have been, you know, looking at this for quite some time. So me not being a legal scholar or anything, but it doesn't take a brain surgeon to know that if you go to court or to pursue this case and this person, um, I would imagine they have all that they need or at least feel they do. Well, that's the question. Dante, the, there was a grand jury, I believe, that that handed down this indictment to charge him with Dwayne Davis, a KVD with murder. Do you think that prosecutors, do you think they have other evidence besides just what he said? I mean, how much how much evidence can they have from that long ago? That's the hope, because I agree uh, with with both panelists that says that this kind of needs to happen, because especially at that time, we were at an era where we didn't think that anybody cared about us. Right. And if we died or if we were killed, the cops didn't care. They didn't investigate. So for someone at at Tupac's level, um, for him to be murdered and there not to be an arrest. That just seemed bizarre. Like if they don't care about Tupac, they definitely don't care about us. So you want this to be, you want this to, to happen. You want a, a verdict, a guilty verdict. Uh, but you hope that the DA has something else uh, because it's 27 years later. They didn't arrest him for a long time. You wonder why they chose now. Hopefully it's because something else did come up. If he's if he was involved, he should be prosecuted um, and he should be found guilty. But they need to prove that. So. I, I haven't seen anything um, outside of what we've known for over 20 years, but maybe they have some new information or somebody else that came forward who didn't talk before um, and that they could seal this case up. Lad, what's your sense on that? Because you've talked with probably more than more people that have been involved were directly involved with this case than, you know, possibly anyone else besides the, the, the police and the investigators. It's like, is there could there be some type of uh, a piece of evidence or something, you know, that that could just really basically seal the deal with this case. I mean, I haven't heard of anything new. I went through some of the grand jury transcripts. Uh, some people have, have said certain things, uh, but it, it's all a very gray area. Uh, for example, Eric Von Zip, who uh, Keefe D said provided the gun, 
and allegedly got paid a million dollars from Puffy to actually do this whole murder for hire thing. He's now dead. He died of cancer. Um, you know, he allegedly was given a bunch of money. He ended up buying a nightclub. Uh, T.K. Kirkland, who was very close to him, confirmed that and confirmed that Eric Von Zip knew Keefe D and knew Puffy and they all hung out together. But he's also dead. He died of cancer uh, a bunch of years ago. Everyone else in that car is dead. Um, Suge Knight isn't talking. Uh, Suge Knight is probably the only person that could actually say, yes, I saw Keefe in that car and he places him there in the actual incident, but Suge Knight said free Keefe D, you know, um, and basically said he's not cooperating. He has a history of not cooperating. So, you know, yeah, I mean, th there is a reasonable chance that Keefe may walk away from this or just get a slap on the wrist plea deal that allows him to just do time served. Exactly. We're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, the Tupac's musical legacy, what kind of a role is that going to play in the Las Vegas prosecutor's determination to get a conviction in this case. That's when we come back. Stay with us. What it do this Kevin Gates and right now I'm kicking it with Lisa Evers. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're taking an overview of the Tupac murder case. There have been uh, developments, but is anything really going to change? That's a question a lot of hip-hop fans are asking. We have an amazing panel to break this all down for us. Dante Mills, criminal defense attorney. Chuck Creekmore, CEO and co-founder of allhiphop.com. And DJ Vlad. CEO of Lad TV. He's interviewed many of the principals in this case. Thank you guys all for being with us. Chuck, when you look at Tupac, just even in terms of his image from those many years ago, it's still super relevant today. And you have people, new hip hop fans, the newest generation of hip hop fans who still listen to his music and who still find him inspiring. Why is that? Well, he was the total package. You know, um, I think that when you're looking at Tupac, uh, much like other artists, uh, well, you know, other artists that are groundbreaking and, and revolutionary, um, they are very, you know, unique. They're a one of one. And so therefore you see different versions of him today to this day, but you don't see all versions of him in one person uh, the way he was. So, um, I mean, I think we'll continue to study Tupac just like any other great artist. And I think he warrants that at this point. Um, I personally, as we celebrate 50 years of hip hop, would love to see more of his uh, persona uh, out today because I think we're focused on one aspect of him. But um, at least most people are uh, on, a, on a commercial scale. But yeah, I, I love Tupac and I just wish we would celebrate him and all of his qualities, not just one. Exactly. I mean, that's such a, such a talent as well. And, and not, and a troubled, you know, troubled young life, really, especially, especially. But who, who, who wasn't troubled at that age and younger, you know what I mean? And, 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 and in, the, in that era as well. Exactly. Exactly. Vlad, in, in terms of the, in terms of the case, what are the questions that are in your mind that you would love to get answers to that haven't? I mean, I would love to know who the actual shooter was without, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because like I said, I I'm hearing different versions of what happened and everybody in that car is dead. And, you know, I think Suge Knight is the only person that could really say, you know, because Suge Knight grew up with Keefe D. Uh, they played football together. They used to go to Suge's uh, parents' house for pool parties and, and so forth. Uh, they're roughly the same age. Um, you know, so if Suge came forward and specifically said, okay, this is exactly what happened, 
step by step. This is who the shooter was. This is how it came about. Uh, I think that would bring a sense of closure, but I don't think Sugar will ever do that because that's just not part of his uh, his code. You know, he's never cooperated. Exactly. He, he, he made 28 years at this point, still not cooperating. I'm, I don't, I'm not holding my breath for that. Dante, okay, okay. follow up on that. Uh, that has a, a great point, but legally, even if Suge came forward and said, this is the person who actually stuck their hand out of the window and pulled that trigger, and it's not Keefe D., that still doesn't assist or help the prosecution in this case. Because what they have to prove is that Keefe D moved this forward, that he did something to further this murder. You can be a, a person in a car, that car pulls up and shoots somebody, and you didn't, you didn't plan to do that. You just happened to be in the car. That doesn't make you responsible for that murder or a conspiracy. In order for him to be found guilty of that conspiracy, he had to actively do something. So even if Suge came forward and said, this is who shot me, if it wasn't Keefe D who shot him, then it doesn't matter for this prosecution because, and that's what makes this so interesting. They have to find something that Keefe D did that moved this murder forward in order for him to be found guilty. And I just don't see what's out there that points to that. Listen, I'm a law professor. My job is to teach students to kind of dissect and know exactly what you have to prove here. That's what they have to prove, and I don't see that evidence. And what, that, if they, what, if found, what if they found proof? There was talk of it. I don't know if this was ever ever out or ever proven, but there was talk that he got the gun and supplied the gun, and basically that was his, that was his role. But, I mean, what kind of proof are they going to have that, that, that this many years later? And that's the, that's the problem because you do have to prove this beyond a reasonable doubt. So talk of, oh, I think he got the gun from somebody, Oh, I think he told his nephew Orlando to shoot him. Oh, that's talk. Unless they have somebody coming in saying, yes, I saw him purchase that gun. I saw him hand the gun off or something like that. It's going to be it's very difficult to prove this. And that's the missing piece here. Now, Tupac is a huge like he has a huge legacy. He's a huge public figure. You start to wonder if the district attorney just wanted that kind of buzz around what he was doing. So he decided to bring these charges forward. Is that why he did it? So the district attorney can get some, some 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 spotlight? I don't know, but I don't see any new evidence that shows exactly what Keefe D did to move this murder forward. Vlad, what about the time? I just, yeah, well, I, I just wanna I just wanna clarify my statement. So I didn't get into this to try to get anybody arrested. You know, my my whole thing was to try to just prove the story. Uh, and take away all the conspiracies. You know, uh, this is why ultimately when Las Vegas PD reached out to me to get my raw footage, I, I didn't respond and I didn't cooperate. So for me, I would love to know the story in terms of what exactly happened, but I don't care whether or not anyone goes to prison over it. Th that honestly was not part of my MO coming into it. And it's not something that, that ultimately I support. Uh, if he ends up being convicted for it, then that's between him and Las Vegas PD. But that's never been my intention. So, uh, you know, in terms of where, where I stand, I understand the, the legal aspect of it and how hard is it to prove. But for me, as a journalist, it's really more about exposing the truth as opposed to sending, you know, setting someone behind bars behind it. So, Vlad, just to be clear, because that, that, that was something, you know, that was something that people talked about. It was it was Vlad's interviews that ended up in getting this. And some people said, great. Other people said, wait a minute. But the. So you never, I mean, and your things are out in public. They're on public platforms. It's not like they have to get a subpoena in order to see them. But yeah. they asked you for the for the uncut footage, and you said no. Is is that right? Well, I just didn't respond. The I got 
a half a dozen phone calls and a bunch of uh, voicemails and emails, and I just didn't respond. I figured that until I get a subpoena, I don't have to respond. And even if I do get a subpoena, then I'll just have my lawyer fight it. Uh, so, like I said, I'm not looking to be involved in this actual criminal case. I mean, I'm not going to go to jail over it, obviously, but, you know, if I don't have to cooperate, I will. I think it's good, Vlad, and I think it's, it's worth mentioning that Vlad did what his job, right, what he's supposed to do. At least he did what you do, which is bring light to stories, um, give people an opportunity to tell their story. And don't give um, over the sources or the... Absolutely yeah, exactly. great that he did that. It's the district attorney's responsibility to take everything that's out there and decide if they have enough to move forward with charges. That has absolutely nothing to do with Vlad. So um, it's great that he provided this platform and put this story out there. Now it's up to the district attorney to assess everything that's there. They decided to move forward with charges and we'll see if they have enough to prove them. But Dante, right. can they put, can they subpoena Suge Knight? Even, he's he's locked up in Los Angeles now, locked down Los Angeles. Can they subpoena Suge Knight? Uh, they can, but you can't make anybody talk. Everybody has the right to the fifth, you know, that you can plead the fifth amendment. Right. Um, he can not uh, talk if he doesn't want to. They understand that. So you can't really force anyone to say anything. Uh, um, if they what are they going to give him a penalty of jail time if he doesn't cooperate with the court? He's in jail for the next 20 something years anyway. Right. So I don't think that they can rely on or should rely on. I hope they're not relying on Suge Knight to be the connecting piece here because I don't see that happening. Uh, Chuck, in terms of the, the, the other names that keep popping up in this is is Puff, is Diddy, um, Diddy, Suge Knight. What about the, why are these those names still holding such a huge grip on the imaginations of hip hop fans? That was a that was a complicated situation. You know, it's it's simple as that. I mean, and then you have, um, you know, you have narratives by folks like Chuck Phillips. He's now a disgrace journalist, but. Uh, who, you know, basically wrote a story many years ago, you know, suggest really not suggesting, saying that uh, Diddy had an involvement in that and actually supplied the gun. Um, why they're being, I mean, it was the East Coast, West Coast beef. It's simple as that. You know, they were going at each other so hard and they were really, you know, we knew a body or two was going to drop and they did, you know, so... Um, I don't know. I don't want to make it simpler than it is, but that really is what it is. And that I don't think it hurts that there's evidence or, um, you know, lyrical evidence. There's street evidence to support what's still going on. Yeah, what's still happening right there. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll find out what our guests have to say about what's ahead. What are some of the possible outcomes of everything that's going on right now? Stay with us for Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. What it do, what it do, man. It's your boy Roscoe Dash. And this is The Street Soldier with Lisa Evers, man. Real issues, real politics, real people. Only on Hot 97. Let's do it. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're taking an overview look at the Tupac murder case, where it's at right now, where it could possibly go. And we have an amazing panel with us to do just that. Joining me, Dante Mills. He's a criminal defense attorney. Also with us, Chuck Creekmer. He's the CEO and co-founder of allhiphop.com. Also with us, DJ Vlad. He is the CEO of Vlad TV. Thank you guys all so much for, for doing this. Vlad, are you looking forward to a trial? Uh, I think the whole world is looking forward to a trial, but it ultimately ultimately comes down to whether or not there is a, a strong enough case to go forward and whether or not there's a, a good enough plea deal to avoid a trial. I mean, 90% of cases don't go to trial. So if Keefe D at 60 or 61 years old could do a, a time served and walk away, I think he'll jump all over it. 
I think the only reason there'll there'll be a trial is if he's essentially facing life in prison or whatever an amount of time that will equate to life at his age. Chuck, did you um did, did you kind of like go wait a minute when they announced the arrest like this is the fiftieth anniversary of hip hop? There's some people that, that were saying okay this was just kind of like a publicity ploy. They had to do a lot of you know they wanted to do some PR. What do you think about that? No, I never, I never thought that. Nothing like that crossed my mind. Um, other things that have happened this year have, but that wasn't one of them. Um, I just think that he's just done a lot of interviews, um, and those interviews have gone viral, um, and that's it. I mean, I, I also question, you know, I know that he has gotten paid for some of these interviews, and that oft, that oftentimes comes to mind as to how much he has embellished, um, how much he was, um, you know, convinced that he needed to make it spicy to go viral, to continue to get paid. Um, he was not a wealthy man. Uh, and I would say, well, he's not a wealthy man now, but I will say that he was able to sustain his life and his lifestyle through a lot of these interviews. Vlad, what about that? Did any concern about that? Because yeah, absolutely. Uh, I paid him for both interviews. In fact, he had actually, after his house was raided before he was actually arrested, uh, his co-writer had reached out to do another interview, uh, a third interview with us. And he asked, you know, this time to actually get a deposit on the interview, which I agreed. I knew that more than likely that deposit would be gone because he was probably going to be arrested and it was just a money grab. I found out that he did the same thing with another platform. Uh, but yeah, he absolutely got paid uh, for both interviews. And that could be a very valid uh, defense saying, listen, uh, I needed the money. I was broke. Uh, I needed money for medical bills or whatever else. But I think he, he had cancer. cancer right? Wasn't he, was it yeah, think, cancer scare or cancer? Yeah. I yeah, yeah uh, apparently about four years ago, he had cancer. I don't know if, it was, if it's gone or not. But yeah, he could say I needed the money. So I made up a whole bunch of stuff uh, for the money. And that's my defense. I could see that absolutely being played out in court. Absolutely. I see that as well. Um, oh, okay. So talking about the trial, he's been given a trial date of June. Um, you wonder what a, a plea deal would be, what they would offer. Now, we do know that the district attorney's office will not go after the death penalty here. That's already been made clear. So we're talking about a maximum penalty of life. Uh, but he's 61 years old. He may have some health issues. We don't know how long that will be. Um, so we are curious as to what the offer would be for them to say, we want closure on this. They may not feel like they can get a result. Maybe they do as far as the district attorney's office, but they may offer him something just so that they can say it's done. We, 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 we have somebody, um, we, they they've pled guilty. We can close this case. Everybody has some closure. I think that would be beneficial probably to everyone, the hip hop community, Tupac's family, um, uh, Keefe D will probably get the most out of a plea deal because if he's taking a plea, I'm imagining it won't be to something long term. So it's a time that he can do uh, and then move on with his life and then go talk and do all these interviews. And he can say whatever he wants at that point because the case will be closed. So I think that will be the most beneficial thing. I know true crime is huge right now. Everybody's into these actual crime events and trials. And when you have a trial that's involving the death of Tupac, it would be massive. It would be a huge trial, but I just don't see how that would benefit uh, a lot of people. But do you think there? Do you think by any that that there's any chance that the prosecutors found? You know, they raided his his home and and all of that before he was arrested. 
Do you think it's possible that they have something or someone who is a, a, a key witness that nobody has known about over these last last nearly 20 or 29 years, nearly 30 years? I'm saying they have to. In order for these charges to be valid, they have to because uh, without that additional evidence, there's nothing here that will convict someone beyond a reasonable doubt. And it hasn't been for 27 years. So after all of this time, uh, for them to move forward with charges now, you have to wonder over and over again, what do they have that's new? What do they have that said, okay, finally, we can finally charge him? Because as everybody has talked about during this whole program, kind of the streets knew what happened, right, from the moment it happened. But there was never any charges. There was never anything else. And people all of a sudden, 20... people weren't even interviewed. That was they... Yeah, but 27 years later, autom you know, all of a sudden, uh, charges come forward. And, and you have to wonder, what do they have that's new? What's different now that made them move forward with these charges? All right. Chuck, what are, in, ter in, terms of the, in terms of the trial, if this does go to trial, do you think it's, it, it says anything beyond the guilt or you know, innocence of Keefe D? Or do you think it, it has larger ramifications for hip-hop as a culture that there is some sort of accountability? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I don't know. Or do you, you know, it's just kind of like it's just kind of like I, it is I, at this point. We're we're numb, you know. We're numb. We're numb. We're we 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 love our artists. We care. We we we. I think that this. I hope. Uh, let me explain. Let me say this. Yes, please. I hope that it is a statement about the value of Black life. I hope that it begins to uh, equate to more justice more efforts across the board because honestly it's bigger than Tupac there are there are hundreds um tens of thousands of black women missing for example you know they just had an ebony alert come out in Los Angeles to specifically target missing black kids for example so i would love to see black life more valued and Tupac was a celebrity so that was so and biggie by the way they were both celebrities. And so for their murders and Jam Master J, you know, we're seeing justice on that front as well. Right. So I would love to see a changing of the tide overall for uh, our young black uh, and Latino people so that we can you know, begin to see equality across the board. And that's a good answer, Lisa. I think you see people do things that they think they can get away with. Um, and if the sense is, if I kill a, a, a black male, nobody will care, then more black males are going to be killed. So I do think that if you have some kind of closure here, it is a statement saying, even if it takes 27 years, we value your life enough that we're going to do what we have to do to f bring someone to justice and to have accountability. I do think that would be meaningful, um, but you just hope that they have enough to get there. Vlad, what's your take on this? Do, do you see that this 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 entire case be emblem, emblematic of larger issues? Well, I think we should stop pretending that the, the effort that police departments around the country take for certain cases isn't tied to the publicity behind those cases. You know, one of my security guys is active NYPD, and he tells me how they go into meetings and the chief of police has a wall with all the cases that are you know, in the newspapers and being covered on social media, and they focus on those cases. And the cases that get no coverage kind of get put to the bottom of the pile. There's tons of unsolved murder cases. 
because there's no there's no press no behind it. Unless the victim's family unless the, the victim's family comes forward and then you know the blogs start picking it up or or whatever else. I mean, this is just the reality of policing in America that different cases are not treated equally. They are treated unequally based on the press. And and I know uh based on like no, let me just I just want to jump in there as a member of the press. It's yeah. not just it's not just the traditional media. It's about the social media. It's about social media as well because there have been there have been incidents that happened. There have been stories that I've been that I that I have covered where something has happened. I found out about it on social media. There was a social media groundswell. It wasn't on any major television station or or, or news uh, news platform. And then it became that's how the you know it, it pushed. It pushed the effort forward because I think too. Also on the other side, from the law enforcement side, what they will say is, and not to defend anything that was not or was done, but they will say, well, you know what, we what people didn't want to talk. There was a lot of you know nobody wants to quote unquote snitch, and and that and that type of thing. But I think there is more, especially in New York City. There's more, there, there's more of an effort to try and get to as many of these cases as they can. But you're bringing up the point of atten attention and Dante. Then this is when this case happened. You know, when when the murder of Tupac ha happened, there was no social media. There was no there were no camera phones. There weren't uh, cameras on every street corner recording traffic or, or able to retrieve. You know, there weren't every every little store didn't have a, a video camera a security system set up like that. If this happened today, do you think it would remain unsolved for very long? If in in terms of lab, do, do you have any? Any journalistic inkling or any suspicion that there is a mystery witness or a mystery piece of evidence or something, I don't want to say smoking gun in this case, but like some sort of some sort of critical piece of evidence that maybe the grand jury saw that we don't know about yet? Uh, not, not that I'm aware of. And you also have to kind of look back at where Las Vegas was in 1996. They're actually going through a rebranding at that time to try to make it more of a family-friendly environment uh, where you bring your kids and, you know, you you bring your grandmother and, you know, you you have a whole wholesome family kind of experience, which is unlike where, you know, that ultimately didn't work. You know, it went back to more of an adult playground. But at that time, that's what they were doing. So I think that there was probably a push from the mayor uh, and people higher up that didn't want to have this long, prolo prolonged trial with a whole bunch of rappers and gangsters shooting at each other in the middle of the Vegas Strip, that would kind of prevent billions of dollars from going into the city because families would say, oh, no, this is too dangerous. Why would I bring my kids to a place like this? They're, they're shooting people right there in, you know, in public places. Uh, so I think that at that time, you know, based on my conversations with Greg Kading, that's why he thinks that Vegas didn't really go forward with that. But like I said earlier, you know, the amount of press and attention, uh, especially after the interview that I dropped four years ago that got tens of millions of views, I think that ultimately put a certain amount of pressure uh, on the Las Vegas Police Department to say, okay, let's just go ahead and go back and, and do the right thing and do a proper investigation and do an actual arrest around what seems to be an actual person involved in the situation. Dante, in terms of between now and the, the trial date um, that, that I believe is in June, what can happen or can anything happen? Everything. Um, so uh, you don't have to be in court for your lawyer to talk to the district attorney. So you don't have to wait for a court date or a trial date uh, to engage in conversation about a plea deal. Uh, uh, you know, there could be things that 
come out or, or, or go back and forth where the district attorney can decide uh, we are not really trying to move forward with this case. So we're going to offer something to them. Uh, everything can happen in the meantime. I do believe that as you get closer to the trial, if there's some new evidence, it will come out. It has to because they have to exchange that evidence with the defendants. I know that the, the press is going to be all over this with a FOIL request, Freedom of Information Act request so that they can get any information that's sure. about this case. And as we get closer, I think we'll see if there's some wrinkles that we were unaware of and that will be the most interested. You know, I'm a trial lawyer. I like being in trial. Uh, I like being in court. I, I will be tuned into this because I know that there's some nuances here and I will be interested to see how the district attorney is going to approach it, how his criminal defense attorneys are going to approach it, because I know there are some arguments on both sides and it's all about who can control the narrative more and who can be convincing. All right. And Vlad, in terms of um, in terms of step, what's coming, what's coming next to anything on your agenda about the case, your schedule? Uh, not really. Not really. I, I think what I've done is pretty much completed. Uh, I haven't really done too much around the Tupac case in, in a few years now. Uh, so at this point, I, I don't think there's any smoking gun that we know of. I don't think there's any new witnesses that we don't know about. I think that what's been put out there is what's out there. And it's a question of whether Keefe's own words could be used against him or not. I think it just comes down to that. That's what's going to come down to that, whether a jury will believe it or... Whether they won't, and they'll find them find them not guilty. Yeah. Well, whatever happens, uh, we'll definitely be following it and and, and talking about it uh, here on Street Soldiers. I want to thank our guests for being with us for this episode: Dante Mills, criminal defense attorney; Chuck Creekmore, AllHipHop.com; uh, DJ Vlad from Vlad TV. Thank you guys for joining us uh, for this conversation, making it happen, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind; it's your best weapon. Let's push for peace, love and justice for all.